0: Hi, Mining Community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Paul Johnson, who's the CEO of Power Metal Resources, who are London-listed metals exploration and development company, whose main objective is discovering large-scale metal deposits, uh, with a focus on cobalt, copper, gold, lithium, nickel, silver, and uranium. They They have active projects in Australia, Botswana, Canada, the DRC, Tanzania and the US. Um, Paul's a chartered accountant by background and is an experienced public company director, having served on many uh, on a number of public listed companies. Um, and is here today to tell us more about some of the exciting things that Power Metal Resources are up to with the various projects they're involved in. So, um, that's welcome, Paul, to the podcast. Hey, then, Paul?
1: Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good as well. This is a Wednesday afternoon. So um, I'm off to pick the children up soon. So just doing a quick, this, this quick podcast before I go and pick, uh, pick my three, three children up. So I want to obviously welcome you to the podcast. I wonder if you can just give us a background about yourself. Um, obviously, I mentioned you're a chartered accountant by background. So I just wonder if you can run us through um, your career to sort
1: of present day. Oh, by me, I don't want to bore people to death, but I uh, (laughs) I qualified uh, at the University of Manchester with a degree in Management Sciences many many years ago, and I uh, went to train to be a Chartered Accountant. That's my first qualification. I left accountancy as soon as I got it and went into insurance loss adjusting, uh, and uh, I'm also a a Chartered Loss Adjuster, and uh, and then. Uh, I moved to a large American insurance company on their risk management profiles for business interruption. So that's large scale profits, losses, effectively, and helping to estimate what the risk would be across their major international clients. Uh, I became an associate of the Chartered Insurance Institute then, and uh, I'm a member of the Business Continuity uh institutes as well. So I've got quite a few different professional qualifications. Most of my professional life was spent in forensic accountancy effectively. And uh, and that's quite useful in terms of what I do today. Uh, You know, there's a good amount of the work that I get involved with that requires an assessment of balance sheets and, uh, uh, you know, profit and loss accounts and financial stability projections and all that kind of thing. Uh, I came into... uh, this particular sector, because I've been an active private investor for many years, and uh, back in two thousand and eight, or at the end of two thousand and eight, I'm afraid I was a little bit financially knackered, to say the least, and personally a bit knackered as well. Things weren't going well on all different fronts, and I needed to find a way to uh, to make some money pretty quickly. Uh, and I turned to the AIM market. Can you believe it? Uh, and investing in AIM stocks, I started out with a very small Pot, uh, decided after the global financial crisis in 2008 that I wanted to focus on small natural resource companies and a little bit of biotech and a little bit of uh, you know related sectors, but mainly natural resources. And I was able over a couple of years to have a somewhat dramatic increase in the value of the portfolio. So I obviously fell in love and became maybe addicted to the sector back in 2008 to 11 uh, it's been a bit of a, a roller coaster ride over the years since because you know this isn't a one way ticket investing and it's quite difficult to get to grips with the basic concepts that you need to make it successful for yourself. The most obvious one, I think, is that when markets are difficult and challenging as they are right now, you have to keep on and keep focused and not get taken out of positions just because the market has a few months when it's pulling back. Uh, And uh, in 2010, I started, uh, I think it was 2010, uh, I started to get a little bit more involved. I founded uh, Mining Maven with uh, a colleague, an investing colleague. From that, I took my first board role at ECR Minerals in 2012. And since then, I've been on multiple different boards, chairman, uh, CEO, uh, non-exec director. Uh, And I found myself now to uh, Power Metal Resources, which uh, i started with in 2019 great I wonder if you can actually tell us a little bit about power metal uh,
0: resources like uh, obviously the structure um and what your objectives are and i suppose a little bit about the history
1: yeah sure well power metal used to be called african battery metals and in december 2018 i was on my way to greg's at about eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning as you do and uh, well i do anyway uh, you know baker sandwich <laughs> and you uh, know uh, yeah. and uh, and I noticed that this company, African Battery Metals, has been suspended pending financial clarification. And uh, the uh, it's always interesting when that happens. You want to know, you know, what the situation is. I've been following the story for quite some time, and I think the share price had gone up to seventy pence. Uh, in the in the year or two prior to this uh, dreaded announcement, uh, but was uh, it was suspended at 1.3. I think it had fallen all the way down. And uh, cut a long story short, uh, we ended up getting involved with restructuring and refinancing of that company. Uh, so it, it had a change of management and uh, it was all done in a very friendly and positive way. Uh, and then we uh, raised £1 million to get it back on its feet uh, and then started. Now, at the time, it had three projects in the Ivory Coast, uh, Cameroon, and the DRC, where Western Central African focus. Uh, since then, of course, we've we've built it over the last two and a half years into a global uh, business. I mean, the the, bear, the people should, I think, understand this is a global project. Now, it's not. Uh, As a business, it's got a dramatic reach. It now has interest in North America, interest in Africa and interest in Australia. It's gone up from the original three projects, uh, of which we only have one of those left, which is the DRC uh, Kasinka uh, copper cobalt project. Uh, but it's gone up to, depending on which day of the week and uh, how you classify them, you know, a dozen projects, say, uh, uh, with a wide spread across the three continents. We cover a, a wide range of commodities, precious metals, strategic metals, base metals, uh, we And we've announced today uh, a first step into the uranium business as well. So uh, we have got broad coverage. It's a diversified house. And we've set out with a slightly different model in that we don't want to be the usual exploration company, which simply goes cap in hand to the market on a regular basis to raise cash, spends it, then comes back for more. We want to generate our own value. So alongside our exploration projects where we're looking for major metal discoveries we're also engaged in a lot of corporate activities to spin out uh, or dispose of certain of our interests to generate balance sheet value so we increase our financial strength organically ourselves uh, using our own skills capabilities and determination rather than just merely relying on funding uh, from from uh, uh, you know broker sources uh, which is the traditional model okay um in your opinion, how strong is power metal resources,
0: given obviously the current market conditions?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's been difficult since January twenty one. I think uh, we peaked out at three and a half pence, uh, or circa three and a half pence, in January twenty one, and then we, we've had a you know a decline over the months since, and we fell below two pence and. Uh, It's really important to have a number of degrees of strength, I think, if you're building this type of company. One is uh, underlying financial strength, and we've talked a little about that so far. But, you know, we, we run with a robust working capital position at all times. It's always been our ethos because when a company has been through Uh, This company's experience over the years of having periods when it didn't have working capital, it's important that we maintain that at all times. So we're strong on that front. Uh, Operationally, you you have to be strong. And that uh, for us means a degree of diversification. So we cover many of the bases in the natural resource sector. We're not just focused on one very specific sector. We're not focused on one project, one jurisdiction. We have a good wide spread. Our deal structures and the way that we run our business means that we're not committed to excessive fixed costs going forward. We're flexible, you know. Many of our deals are done on a very low cost basis. They're often, well, they often have been done recently with shares uh, alongside a little bit of cash, which means that we're not burning our cash resources too aggressively. Uh, and we're finding, and we found that we can do quite dramatic exploration for quite modest amounts of money. Now. Of course, we make major metal discoveries. Our demands uh, on finance and operational capability will uh, increase quite dramatically. So by building our working capital on the balance sheet, uh, which I mentioned before, well, that will give us the financial power to stand our ground on uh, when we have those major metal discoveries. We're building our team of very capable people. Uh, we have some exceptional people in the in the business now. And that team is growing. Uh, so that gives us the underlying strength as well. And what I'm trying to do, Rob, is not just do uh, the usual thing. I'm trying to build a commercial business. So one that that kind of washes its face financially, operationally, and in every way possible. This is a proper company. If we want to be Targeting mid-tier status, which we do. If we want to be building a very large organisation, we have to build the financial strength, the uh, team structure, the right skills and capabilities, the right business model, and all those things. So, pretty much from the off, we've had that mindset. So, I would say, long answer to a short question: we're in a very strong position, and uh, we can, if we keep working in the way that we are, I think you can only get stronger.
0: Yes, certainly, and obviously, we've spoken in the past. So, yeah, I am. I well, yeah, certainly agree with you there. Um, what are what are the steps being taken to make sure Power Metal Resources can keep up with all the projects that they've taken on?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, that, I mean, that's a good point. It kind of stems from what I mentioned before about the the ne- the, the need to grow your business in, uh, in your, your finance and your your financing your your technical capability in-house your connection based networks your advisor base that you use you know to run these businesses uh we are uh we're not just growing uh, like a, a mushroom as it were uh, as a business with no plan we are already now taking steps to uh make those disposals from our portfolio where there is a proper operational and strategic advantage in doing so so Uh, Very recently we announced that we were disposing of our Hemlo Schreiber project uh, interest to first class metals. Uh, So that took one part of our business, uh, put it into uh, another company Uh, and they are focused on the Hemlo Schreiber at first class. They're a great team. They're very driven and determined. They're looking for a listing in the uh, London capital markets by the end of the year. And by bringing our project package together with theirs it makes a great proposition so when you do that kind of thing it doesn't take away all the work because of course we'll be working with them on the listing uh, uh, during the listing process and and thereafter and we'll be a long-term shareholder because we did the transaction of a million pounds uh, uh, disposal for shares in first class Uh, but it does take away some elements of the operational challenges and day-to-day work which is important because we need to see our work levels under control. And there will be bigger transactions with IPOs happening. We've already talked about a number of them in the public domain. There, you know, a, a, a couple of big ones uh, where we've been working intensively, of course, you know, Victoria Goldfields, the joint venture with Red Rock Resources, that's spinning out into its own uh, stock market listed vehicle. Uh Gold and Metal Resources, our Nevada package, uh spinning out into its own vehicle. Uh Silver Peak, uh, our Canadian uh silver project interest, same kind of thing. And there's there's others as well. So that as, as they it's lots of work in the process when you're getting them uh through the disposal IPO uh, route. But then once they go into their own vehicles, they are effectively self-sufficient, independent organizations, and that will take some of the pressure off us. Uh, Alongside that, we we have our own in-house internal exploration programs that we're working on. We uh, fortunately, from the off, have uh, developed strong relationships uh, in various jurisdictions. So when we've taken an interest on, we've had a very keen eye on making sure there was the team in place to be able to take projects forward. Praise be, because with the COVID-19 restrictions around the world, we simply haven't been able to travel around. Uh, we've had to control and coordinate most things from uh, from uh, from London, but we're working with good teams, and they control and, and and the work that we have to undertake, and they do lots of it for us in the field and in the different jurisdictions we operate. So there's lots of different elements to this. Uh, we are stretched, absolutely, definitely, but we've been stretched since day one, Rob. Since we refinanced and restructured this company in Feb 19, there hasn't been a week go by where we've been going, this is great. I just sit on the beach and take it easy. You know, Michelle, my wife, is, is used to me doing this. I've been doing this for years. Uh, but uh, And she understands, you know, that there's a my, my, my work life is, is quite intense and she's fantastic and supportive with that. It's important to have a good family behind you who help out. And uh, the, uh, that will continue. Uh, for quite some time but if we're going to build this size and scale of organization that I want to build that's just part and parcel uh, you know of of the job really uh, and so it doesn't worry me in that sense the most important thing and I've learned this from times past is you have the best people around you do you know working with you and making this business work it's not one person it never uh, never has been never will be uh, I've got a great team, and that gives me great reassurance on a day-to-day basis. Yes, certainly.
0: Um, you're linked with uh, Kavango Resources through your JV Gital uh, project. Um, are you confident that Kavango Resources are as dedicated as metal
1: Resources
0: um, in putting shareholders first?
1: Oh, that I mean that's a yeah, that's a belter. Uh, there's only one way I can answer that, of course, isn't there really? If you think about it as a joint, yeah. venture But let me let me tell you without question, yes, they are. They, they, uh, the, the, the way that business has developed on the market, it's been through some challenging times, uh, as many resource companies go through before they strike it rich, as it were. Uh, Kavango have assembled a great portfolio of projects in Botswana, uh, and they have, you know, uh, as you can see, an increasingly strong public message, great team really focused on on shareholder value which is a concept banded around by many and i have to tell you the many that band it around i'm sure they don't believe it because you know if you pay yourself 250 grand a year as a ceo in the junior exploration company you're not aligned with your shareholders you know if you're uh, if you don't uh, have equity participation if you're on the board of these companies in your own stock you don't share the pain when the share price goes down or the elation when the share price goes up. So from our perspective, I, I again, another thing I've learned, because I've only been in the public markets, you know, being as, di- as a director of a public company for nine, nine years, getting on for 10 years. So I've been learning as I, as I go along, really. And I have learned that you've got to be working with the best partners. If you're not working with the best partners, it makes life difficult. Things don't get done as quickly and efficiently as they ought to. Things, uh, the relationship can be worrisome and problematic from time to time and you just don't need that you need to be working with a, in a positive professional uh, relationship with people that you trust and understand who have the same drive as you so I can answer that question yes they do have the right mentality they have great projects our joint venture projects which is dit our rare earths the project that I've loved for years and I think is going to potentially I have to drop the P word in, potentially deliver a great surprise to the market. Together with the Kalahari Copper Belt projects, which uh, I've been uh, very closely kind of associated with for a number of years, I made with Metal Tiger the T3 Copper Discovery back in 2016 when I was CEO of Metal Tiger alongside Partners M.O.D. Resources, major copper silver discovery. Uh, And I want to do it again in the KCB and doing it with Kavango, with that partnership, I'm very excited about.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned partnership and building relationships. What would you say is important within a partnership? Um, from your, obviously, perspective and working with lots of different companies and partners, what is the key to having a successful partnership in your, from your perspective?
1: Oh, it's, it, it, it's the same as... Uh, oh. In any relationship in life, you know, you want people to do what they say they're going to do. Uh, you want uh, people that you, you don't have to uh, watch your back in that sense because that you know that they're watching it for you and you're working as a team. I mean, these uh, partnerships in the natural resource space uh, are not. Maybe in oil and gas, you, you know, you get lots of uh, partners getting involved with with an expensive, uh, you know, oil drill program. I don't really know much about oil and gas. But, you know, you see lots of that. A bit like an insurance, you get lots of insurance companies taking a piece of an insurance program. uh, So they're not all taking the risk or they're not taking the risk individually. When you do a joint venture, there's usually uh, a reason why that partnership comes around. And it's often in finance, you know, one partner has more finance than another at a point in time uh it can be for technical access to technical skills so that you know someone's an expert in a country you've got an interest in developing a business in that country but you don't have the know-how and capability so you draw on their skills and uh, you know th- there's lots of these different factors that come together but usually it's beneficial when you get together for both sides. Uh, yeah. And what I like to see is that that beneficial working together cooperative attitude continues as you move forward and where it fractures i think is that uh if you're not careful when you have major discoveries that have real dramatic value you want to be working in a positive way with your partners uh, at that point and through that point because if we strike in uh the kcb for example and we make a big copper silver discovery uh, and we're very optimistic about that, you know, uh, or a major rare earth discovery in detail, then uh, we're going to have to work closely with Kavango uh, Resources. We will have something of tremendous value. There'll be lots of people interested. And what's absolutely vital is that we get along in a positive professional sense and we can extract the most uh, in optimal terms uh, from any uh, external third party engagement that comes in. And that includes really important features uh, such as ongoing spend in country, you know uh, proper attitude to the jurisdiction in which we're operating in, uh, proper uh, you know uh, addressing of ESG factors, all the things that matter immediately to the country, making sure that we we deal with uh, negotiations with third parties, uh, you know terms and conditions and contracts, making sure that uh, we do that in an optimal way for our shareholders so that we get the best value for shareholders going forward. You need good partners for for, for this to make it work. So yeah, I'm quite keen on uh, going forward, only working with the people that I would say, tick the right boxes uh, on a joint venture relationship.
0: Yeah. Um, having known you um, sort of earlier this year, I know how passionate you are about, about the industry and what you do. Um, You've also invested a lot of personal capital into power metal resources. um just wonder why you have invested so much of not necessarily your time but capital in into the company
1: yeah uh it, it's it is the c word it's not capital it's cash uh, and that's an important point. I keep making this but I've been an investor for a long period of time. I'm a private investor. That's my kind of. That's not quite my one true love, but it is a true love for sure. Uh, was it Freddie Mercury's song "Too Much Love Can Kill You"? <laughs> uh, but uh, I certainly do love the the investing side of things. I've watched very closely over the years the factors that make a business a success, and uh, without question. Uh, one of the things that have delivered me the biggest returns is in companies where the management team like the board have access to equity now they can own the equity or they can have great option schemes whether if their exposure to the equity is dramatic however it's brought together then they have a real interest in driving the business forward so uh if they don't, if they get a nice big chunky salary, then their primary focus, because they're human beings uh, and they you know, they have a self-protective instinct, so if their main focus is salary, then uh, the, all they can think about as a baseline is having enough money to pay that salary. So your focus then becomes, can I raise money? Now, I, I don't focus on that. I focus on my share price and make it and building this company to a really big concern. I've got in total 140 financial instruments, 140, 140, 140 million, something like that, uh, getting on for 10%, but not quite 10% of the business. So that's uh, shares I own, 74.5 million options, which uh, have always been issued at a considerable premium with some decent target hurdles to be achieved before they can be exercised, and warrants where I've participated in previous placings. I've participated in all the company's financings. So those three together give me a big uh, financial interest. Now, my salary is is modest compared to the market. Uh, I get, you know, I am happy with my salary. You know, it, pay, it pays my bills. I'm grateful for it. But uh, depending on which day of the week and the valuation of the company, My shareholding uh, and the margin on my options and my warrant is circa, you know, 20 odd times my salary. So I don't get out of bed for the monthly paycheck as much as I appreciated it. I get out of bed to drive this to a big company. So that's the reason why I've invested. So I've invested circa over half, half a million pounds of cash. Now that's real cash. That's not fees that have been offset. Over There's over half a million pounds of money that's gone into the business, bank transfer. So I put 100,000 in recently to convert warrants from the February 19 placing. And like we sent four lots of 25,000 pounds cash into the business, right? That's not fee offset, some special bonus offset or anything like that. That's cash into the business. And I think it sends a signal to people that I'm committed. Now, that's great sending that signal, but I'm an investor primarily and I have to invest my money where I think the best opportunity lies. And I believe the best opportunity in the market, bar none, bar none, right now is Power Metal Resources. And what makes it interesting is that I run Power Metal Resources. So I actually have direct influence on what we do. More than direct influence, you know, I drive the business forward. It's a major, this is all I do in my life. The, uh, a lot of the work I did before, and consultancy work and that kind of thing has stopped just focused on power metal resources. I don't want to go on other company boards unless they are directly connected with power metal resources, in which case I'm on various private company boards and so on. Just want to focus on power and its interests because that's where a significant proportion of my portfolio sits. So again, another long answer. They're not easy to answer these in a quick snapshot way, Uh, but it's important, I think, to show willing as a director, it's my best investment my, I think it's the one that's got the best upside potential. And because I'm involved in it, I've got some say in where the business goes. So that makes it much easier for me to put that money in with comfort. I do sleep at night, apart from when Tom, seven, gets, uh, uh, comes in the room, gets into bed and wakes me up three or four times, which happened a couple of nights ago. But uh, apart from that, I sleep at night. I don't worry about what we do. Uh, because we're well diversified, we're in a strong, you know, uh, continuing uh, financial position and uh, we've got some great plans for the future.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned you're quite um, diversified in both in terms of commodities and um, obviously jurisdictions. Is, there, is this a the risk strategy or are you spreading yourselves too thin for a junior resources company in the minds of some investors?
1: Oh yeah, we're spending ourselves too thin for some investors, and also the fact is there's a lot to take in. Uh, we're going for real scale, and that you can't do that with a single, you know, with with two projects, an A and a B. Might be easier at first for, uh, you know, to for the for the company and for the management team, and also for maybe for investors to understand, you know, that more focused business. Never wanted to do that. Wanted to be a big concern. Wanted to build it in a structured and organized way. Uh, de-risking is important. Uh, the, I, I, I don't see, I've never, found, I never liked the concept of a single project business. There is just too much risk in it. Uh, if anything goes wrong, you know, and literally anything can go wrong. You just never know with projects. All of a sudden, A jurisdiction could switch off and say, no, we're not allowing any more exploration to happen in this commodity in this area. And suddenly you're out of action through no fault of your own. So I think diversification is a good thing. I think our market is cyclical. It's very aggressively cyclical. So a commodity may be popular today, but not popular next year. So you can go and spend vast amounts of money on building something up and then your business is dead because for three or four years the commodity goes dead. You need to be able to flex and to move around if necessary, because at the end of the day, unless our businesses can either attract finance or make their own internal finance, which is what we're trying to do, they can't survive. So uh, yeah, I I think it's a good thing uh, from a de-risking perspective. Uh, I think we are operating in the main jurisdictions for major metal deposits, North America, Africa, and uh, Australia. In jurisdictions that are uh, on the whole safe and secure, where uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, licenses not suddenly being there anymore because some government decision that changes, you know, who owns what. You know, we deal in good places with, in many cases, online databases and uh, You know, of who owns the different licenses and very clear structure in terms of what you have to do to retain them. Uh, And most importantly, on major metal discoveries, you want to be in the right places because that's when things get tricky. When you find something and everyone thinks, "Ooh, you know, I'd like a piece of that. You want to be in the right places. And so by spreading us around the world, we've done that. Uh, We've gone for the best jurisdictions. Yes, we've gone for the best areas within those jurisdictions on the whole, uh, we've not gone down the traditional route. Oh, praise be for the junior natural resource space. It's so innovative. If someone finds a deposit and the share price rockets up, everyone goes and pegs around it. And suddenly, you know, you, uh, if, if AB company finds the CD project, all of a sudden 25 junior explorers have, have licenses within a few kilometers of the CD project. And uh, they raise loads of money. They ramp the share price up, and off they go. No, we're we we being a bit cleverer than that. I think we're taking strategic positions where we think uh, the potential is dramatic, but not necessarily just going and hugging somebody else that's found a major discovery. So in the Patterson, uh, we're up the road uh, from uh, Winu and Javieron, uh, up further north in the Patterson, and we're looking for Javieron-style targets. Yes, magnetic bullseye targets, a similar geology to the Great uh, Greatland Gold Javieron discovery, but we're not next door. We're further up in the north with the same type of geological structure. In Victoria, in Australia, when we put that joint venture together with Red Rock, Victoria Goldfields, we didn't go up near Fosterville where everyone was interested, the big uh, Fosterville mine. We went down to Ballarat where there was a lot more ground available, but people hadn't switched on to Ballarat at that time. And we were pegging ground in and around Ballarat. And we were able to build a strategic package before that many people noticed. And we've done the same kind of thing across our portfolio. We've been building it very carefully. So that diversification has lots of elements to it again. And uh, and fundamentally, I think it will be the key for our business going forward
0: yeah and I think diversification certainly uh certainly is key um, and what would you say to sort of reassure um, uh, your your shareholders who have lost confidence due to the recent market conditions
1: yeah it, it's i think experience over the years uh, and the experience i've had uh, it, i've seen a lot of roller coaster rides in my portfolio. I remember once back in may two thousand and ten when uh, I lost in the space of three weeks uh about forty percent of my portfolio value, and I was on that cusp of thinking, I need to sell everything and protect my capital and for some reason, I didn't i might have you know at a c- crucial point, I might have gone away for a few days to the canaries actually I think, and then my mind was taken off it, and I relaxed a little bit, and I thought, no I'm going to leave this and let this run and then by the end of two thousand and ten, you know I was up uh many, many times from, from, uh, from the low at the end of May 2010. It was because I held through and carried on. So I think carrying on is important. Uh, I think you've got to be careful when you... I, I, I don't know why I feel like I ought to address the response to you know uh, people with smaller portfolios, because the same principles apply if you've got a big portfolio. But I, I, I think you have to be careful. You won't make much money if you buy popular. So if you're going into stocks that have gone up dramatically, then there's got to be a very special reason as to why they're going to go up more. So if you've seen a stock go from 1p to 50p, you know, and you, you get involved because it's very popular, there's lots of talk and conversation and it feels very comfortable and environment. For it to go from 50 to a pound is a huge task. You know, you kind of want to be finding the next one piece stock rather than just jumping in on the bandwagon and expecting to have a party. And and that's a difficult thing. The 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 one that's why the social networks in investing are so important. Actually, I, I think because you do broaden out and you meet other investors and you talk about things, and uh, you, you're not quite alone. Investing is quite a lonely occupation. To do it well, you have to be bored almost all the time apart from the you know, occasional times when your shares do ultimately perform and it's quite exciting for a period. But most of the time, it's boring. No one else is really talking to you about those stocks. You have your vision, but other people don't. And uh, that's where you're going to make your cash. And that's where, if I look at the big movers on my portfolios over the uh, portfolio over the years, it's always been in those situations where I've thought, that's good. I like that. Uh, but other people won't engage. And I, I have that now with power. Uh, running it as a company, I believe, and I would be stronger if I wasn't CEO, in my opinion, publicly, but I believe that we are going to make this a dramatic success. I look at what we're doing, the work ethic, the uh, commitment, the, uh, the way we're building this business. And I'm thinking this is going to do incredibly well. Uh, and other people don't always share my view i see the enthusiasm about some of the other stocks on the market and yeah i get frustrated because i think seriously i've done this for a while now investing you know and that is not a great place to be and i want people to come into my stock i'm a mark i'm marketing my own story selling my own book of course and it's a bit frustrating uh, but I think getting involved in companies that have not yet had those explosive moves is a good is is a good way of building your portfolio. Uh, and uh, I suppose above all, uh, as the last few months have taught us in the natural resource space in particular, is that patience and control of your own emotions is key, and staying with your idea. If you're in, if you're investing in junior natural resources. Uh, and you're willing to ride through some of these waves of difficulty and challenge, I think you've got a pretty good chance of making life-changing money. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, yeah, I think it's there. Uh, and, I mean, for, for me, the natural resource sector has saved my life in terms of finance and also my ability to change things in my life that I needed to change for myself and to keep you know other people happy as well. Uh, so I'm ever so grateful to it. It's not easy. It's not. I've been at this now for... You know, I focused on natural resources, properly focused for twelve years. Uh, it's taken a long time to build up, a, you know, a reasonably strong position. But it's definitely there for the taking if you have that degree of commitment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm um, just going on from that. I'm actually, a, obviously, a, a more recent investor in the industry, um, and I think, I think, doing obviously a lot of research, a lot of due diligence. Um, but also looking at the fundamentals of the company um, or companies that you're looking to invest in. Um, and like you said, if you, if you look at the fundamentals and look at them clearly and believe in what, what they're looking to achieve and sticking with them, that's where you're going to make the bigger gains and not following the herd. Um, like you said, it, when sort of share prices sort of, skyrocket and go up people then sort of jump on that's when you should be sort of jumping off that's when um, clever- and that's that's when we're not this.
1: yeah when the share prices are rocketing the clever people are selling yeah uh, and the clever people uh, often who have a lot more experience uh will buy stuff when it's cheaper they often buy stuff in financing so another good point is that you know if you are building a bit of a portfolio uh, you might want to think about linking in with some brokers uh, is setting up accounts and getting access to some of the financings that there are in the market because you can get uh, you know shares and potentially warrants on occasions through those financings and that broadens your uh, your investment potential and you can't do that when you're first starting off I mean for the first couple of years of my uh, investing life in this sector I was pretty much trading Barclays and Halifax accounts no access to warrants no access to you know, placing stock, no access to any of the more exotic type of instruments. Uh, it was only after that initial run that I really got involved with broking accounts and having access to financing and that kind of thing. Uh, but so you, you can build up from, you know, just with the online trade accounts. When you have a small portfolio, you have flexibility, which is great. You know, it's not difficult to work your way in and out of uh, of positions. And you can build up quite rapidly. Uh, but a, a surefire way to, uh, to shoot yourself in the foot, I think, is to, particularly in the early days, to get involved with this super popular. Uh, You've just got to be very careful.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, you were recently quoted saying that the balance of uh, balance of 2021 is going to be uh, our major uh, proving ground. Um, is this because of specific uh, project drill programs or some
1: some spin out yeah i think when you're building this type of business there comes a point when people want to see what they what they view as crystallization of of, of things you know uh in our case it's uh commercial discoveries uh that, that people are looking for or major metal discoveries and uh the corporate activity in terms of spin outs disposals ipos that kind of thing Now, I felt uh, that we we had a lot of building to do, and that building has happened since February 19 through some very difficult market times. But I felt uh, that recently that we've got to the point now where I can say with some degree of confidence that we are, A, going to be pushing out quite a dramatic amount of exploration news across different exploration techniques and different projects, but a lot of drilling. Which is what uh, the market at the moment, uh, you know, does seem to to like is the drilling. Uh, there were there were phases in the past when people hated drilling. Rob, you know, in, in the last ten years there've been occasions when pe- the biggest thing that got people going was a high grade sample, a uh, rock sample, high grade gold rock sample, you know, that kind of thing. It does change actually, but at the moment it's drilling is the focus. So fair enough, we'll have lots of that. But our project mix, I think, gives us the great chance a great chance of success and and some really interesting drill results Uh, so having that drilling running uh, is going to give us quite a few shots on goal Uh, the commercial work I know where we are with the commercial work the corporate work the disposals of spin-outs now the first transaction has already happened with the first class metals uh, acquisition of our Hemlo Schreiber interest for a material one million pound sum but our main transactional work Uh, Will be in IPOs that we've already talked about, then the number of those are happening moving forward. And we want to talk more about them to market. It's a bit sensitive that because you can't, you have to respect the fact that different exchanges have different requirements. Uh, They have to approve you, as it were. So you can't be shouting that you're going to list on XYZ exchange until you kind of are there. You know you, you have to be respectful to the regulators which we always want to be but we do want to communicate through the process and so there'll be more information coming out on that but i'm i'm looking at the profile now exploration and corporate work in the balance of 2021 what do we have three and a half months left and it will be intense for sure intense
0: yeah i know and you i know you've been pretty busy um,
1: and awesome. So I've got a- <laughs> yes, I, mean, I do try, I do try, but we 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 have a lot. Uh, you know, the the growth, the scale, and growth of the businesses is quite dramatic. The resources are coming in to assist me and help me, uh, and that's important. But it, it is a full-on affair, and uh, because yeah. we deal with Australia uh, at one end, and we deal with North America at the other. For me, it's a 24-7 business. For many members of my team, you know, it's we go to bed at night and Australia is talking to us uh, and Canada is talking to us. We wake up in the morning and we have the remnants of the Canadian communications and we have a whole, you know, thrust of a day's business in Australia's communications to deal with. And then we have the African business as well and matters in respect of London, uh, you know, work flow. Uh, So it is pretty intense. But I keep coming back to the same thing, Rob. I, I'm not here to – I don't want to finish my career and go, oh, you know, I had a, a little, little, small little exploration companies, and, uh, and I paid myself I had millions out of the business over the years and I've got a nice house and I've got this, that, and the other. I want to get out there, uh, you know, at the end of the process and say I found multiple deposits. I brought employment to large numbers of people in the countries that you know that we've been working in. We've done things properly. We've treated people properly. Uh, we've uh, built an incredible, immense, long-lasting business that has real meaning in not just the London capital markets, but in various jurisdictions around the world. When I want to feel like I've done something, and and uh, I, I just want to do it for me, really. In that sense, you know, it's uh, and uh, to do that requires us to sacrifice as a team on uh, what we do at work to focus and to build and to really get on with it uh and if if i'm successful yeah there'll be a load of money at the end of the road okay that's that's obvious i mean uh, and that's great there'll be a lot of money for our shareholders along the way which is fantastic and great as well uh and then I want people to look back with pride on their investment in power metal resources. I want them to say, you know what, I didn't sell when it went to 3P. I held on. I saw it go to below 2P, and I've seen it rise all the way up to XP, whatever that may be, or even higher. Uh, and I held through that, and now I have, you know, life-changing money for myself because I stayed with the story. I want them to feel proud about what they did because it's a, the investors, the shareholders, they press the button to buy and sell. You know, it's their decision. And as much as it's very nice to get compliments from investors about how you've been able to help them with their life, at the end of the day, they made the decision to get involved with your company and to keep that money in there. Yeah.
0: Um, I've got a couple more
1: questions, and this is a a bit of a long question. Um,
0: You talked about your um, Explore and Crystallise model. Um, The IPO value from the spin-outs provides the balance sheet growth uh, to enable exploration. Um, for a junior resources company, you have many exciting projects which represent huge potential for major district-scale discoveries. Um, for instance, the lithium opportunity at Athura North, um, which is right next door to Sayona Mining, um, and also the, the South gansi project i hope i'm pronouncing these correctly um in the kcb um, which is close to the big um, t3 commercial discovery for metal tiger um, and mod are just a couple um with so many projects in the uh, portfolio how do you sort of
1: privatize resources yeah we, we do actually have a capital allocation model so we only put the money into the things that we think uh, have real kind of impact we have to as, a, as a, a stock market listed company you do have to follow the areas that will attract the investor interest there's there's a lot uh, it, it's it's a, this is a far more interesting question you could answer ask this one question it could i could go on for an hour uh, uh you build you're trying to build a virtuous business in our space and uh to do that Though There will be those projects that have dramatic value in the event that you take them forward. Uh, But along the way, the investor base just might not be interested or engaged with it. So you can have a great idea, but to get it from A to Z is going to result in vast dilution because the investors don't come with you. And therefore, the price doesn't rise. You know, you can't in a traditional company, not ours, but you can't raise money easily. So you just dilute people to death and you might have a working mind at the end of it, but it's, uh, if someone held 10% of your stock at the start, they probably end up with 0.01% at the end. That's just not going to do. So you have to balance your business with a range of different interests that have uh, differing, you know, features and positives that will draw in investors and shareholders along the way to, as you build the story. Now, uh, that's related to diversification as well. So at the start, we said, you know, you have a different mix of projects because sometimes you, the market just isn't with you on something. Even if you want to keep it going and keep with it, you still, you know, you might have to shift some of your business into other areas where there is a lot more interest and engagement. And that's the, you know, the, uh, that's the nature of our, nature of our world. But internally, our capital allocation model, we look in our business and say, okay, we have a limited pool of capital. Now, I could go out and raise a vast amount of money and spend on everything, and wouldn't it be fantastic? Well, it's not targeted, and it probably wouldn't deliver the result we want. But we say we've got a limited pool of capital. Where do we want to expend and focus that capital? We, <clears throat> uh, we try and make sure that we uh, focus on those projects that have the, uh, compared to the spend, the nearest potential for major uh, Upside value for the shareholders. So, if we think something is on the cusp of a discovery, something has the potential to yield a discovery, and uh, the cost of do- to getting to that point is not <clears throat> too dramatic compared to our working capital resources, we will go for it. Now, if you look at the Tati project in Botswana, with a relatively recent addition to the portfolio, we exercised the option in July. We conducted phase one exploration immediately. We followed it up with phase two exploration. Uh, we've done effectively uh, you know, a range of uh, prospecting and mapping work. We did uh, soil and rock sampling. We've moved into geophysics. And we're about to start uh, drilling uh, by the end of September. So within the space of two, two and a half months, we've taken the project from option exercise through to full drill programs. Effectively, or we will have done when that program starts. Uh, now, the amount of money involved in doing that, is not dramatic it's a sensible cost program. Uh, we've already paid 50,000 pounds up front towards the drill cost, because that was the option fee was a 50,000 pound cash payment offsetable against drilling undertaken at the project. So we're fine. you know we, we, we've got a significant amount of the costs already paid, and that's a great example of capital allocation because we've got a controlled amount of cost an explosive potentially explosive program we found 20 25 grams a ton gold from a rock sample so it was pretty explosive when we got the results in and uh we could have a major major outcome from it so it is a bit of a juggling process with regard to finances it's not power metal resources bank we're not here to hold vast amounts of cash it's not uh a great environment if you want vast salaries. So, you know, we don't pay crazy salaries. We pay good, reasonable salaries, but nothing else. Uh, so our money is, uh, is uh, we have a, a robust working capital position. Our money is carefully allocated to the projects that, that can deliver the, the most value earliest. And part of that is, you know, the projects that the market will engage with and has some enthusiasm for.
0: Yeah. And lastly, as a conclusion, just wondering if you can give us uh, an an overview of the next twelve to eighteen months.
1: Absolutely no chance. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea at all, uh, and that's the truth. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm quite grateful for that, to be honest, because I've never liked to work in environments where you can you can easily see the future. We we. Our business will 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 obviously uh, focus around the exploration successes in the portfolio. Now that may be with additional exploration work. It may be dealing with third parties that want to get involved in the project. If you have a major discovery, there'll be a queue of those at the moment. You know, you could almost take your pick, nickel. Copper, cobalt, lithium, uranium, whatever, you know, anything where you find something material, there's going to be a lot of interest. The world has shifted. You can see that in the large firms. They're eager for pipeline. They need more supply. They need that supply in safe, sensible jurisdictions where they can get on with the job of building mines and taking projects forward. We're not mine builders. We're exploration company. Uh, we're, we're an exploration company. And some of our projects over time you know will be more advanced and uh, uh and we'll take them forward uh development wise potentially but I don't see us as being major mind builders in there. I see other people coming in to do that uh we just need to find big things or make things bigger and better than they already are when we acquired them uh but I think there is. Uh, going to be over the next 12 to 18 months, a focus on the exploration successes. There will be a focus around the spin out uh, vehicles, particularly that we do. That I think some of them will be, well, I kind of think all of them will be really big successes, but I think there's a very good shot that a number of our spin out opportunities will be quite uh, successful, to say the least. And that will build our balance sheet quite dramatically. Uh, we're, we We are probably. Vehicle-wise, one of the uh, premium targets uh, for a holder of multiple high-impact projects. So we have some quite significant stakes in major district-scale projects, and that will make us interesting as we move forward. And at this level that we're at, you know, uh, tuppence a share, whatever the figure is, and 20-something million market cap, we're tiny, tiny, tiny. And increasingly, we'll get on the radars of bigger companies who will look at our portfolio. And I'm sure we'll draw a lot of interest going forward and how that plays out over the next 12 to 18 months, we'll have to see. Uh, But I think rest assured that the the, the work will not stop in the next 12 to 18 months. It will be pretty intense and there should be some interesting stuff happen along the way.
0: Sure. Sure. Paul, really appreciate your time and obviously give us a a really detailed overview of uh, Power Metal Resources. And uh, it seems that you're busy and I know you're really busy. You've got a lot of things happening um, and I really wish you well in your success, which I know you're passionate about and I know you will drive the company forward. If our audience wants to reach out to, to you, if they've got any questions, yeah. um, how can I go about doing that? Are you on any social media platforms?
1: Uh, yeah, I follow as much as I can because it's useful to have that feedback. Uh, of course, you get the occasional weirdos out there that, you know, every, all, all public company directors have their haters and, uh, and a few strange things along the way. But it's But the vast, vast, vast majority of people who – post to social media, wherever that is, actually do have some concerns, frustrations, good ideas, all these different things. It's good for companies to engage with that. So I will pick up stuff if you put it out there. And we have, a, we have a, our investor relations team that also monitors and picks things up as well. And just in case some of the, uh, the nutcases out there wonder why they're not being banned on certain of these social media sites, it's because we really don't care about you. Because we're building a great company. We, we're, we're looking to make people lots of money and to do proper good business. And if you want to go tippity-tap on your computer and slag us off with insults, honestly, make yourself happy. Uh, but for serious investors who want to, uh, to get in touch, uh, my mobile number is on all market news announcements. It's at the bottom. Uh, and in, in case you've got a pen, it's 07766465617. 77 Send me a text or a message. That's usually the best way, and I'll give you a call back, uh, and then we can have a chat. Don't worry if you're uh, new to this game uh, because we're all new to this game at some point, and I love speaking to people who are relatively new entrants to the marketplace because they give you some of the best insights as to what the wider investing population are wanting to see from a company. Uh if you want to send me an email, paul.johnson at powermetalresources.com. paul.johnson at powermetalresources.com. That's my direct personal email account. If you want to go into the info at powermetalresources.com email, then go for that as well. Uh, that's probably the good one, the info at, because I do get huge amounts of uh, emails into the into the other one. Info app goes to three of us in the bit, four of us in the business. So it will be picked up quite quickly. Get in touch with me. If you've got an investment in the business, you own the shares, then I work for you. If you're thinking about uh, making an investment in the business and there are any, anything that you're unsure about, let me know because it's important for me to know and I might be able to answer your question. I'll certainly find out from you uh, that what might be blocking you from making an investment and I can change that within the business to bring you on board. So yeah, it's open, open door policy. Uh, And at the end of the day, it's your money. You know, when I started out in 2009, I I, I put, uh, I remember putting a thousand pounds into, into my first company in early 2009 and I was crapping myself Rob, because it was a vast amount of my portfolio. And, uh, and I put it in and it went up five times in about seven trading days, I think, something like that, five or six times. And I ended up with, yeah, it was about £6,000 from the 1,000 investment. But it was a cripplingly big amount of money. Now, a few years before that, when I used to trade, I used to put £100 in because I was on a modest salary. I didn't have lots of money. So my trades were £100 a shot. Uh, and it, it, does, it matters more to the people who haven't got a big portfolio when they put a hundred or a thousand pounds in to something, then it matters to High Net worse when they invest 50 grand, 100 grand. So, if you've got a question or a query, you, you let me know uh, and I, I'll try my best to answer it. Yeah, certainly.
0: Um, we'll put the, the details accompanying uh, this show, all your details that you've just mentioned in the, the show notes accompanying this podcast anyway. Um, okay. So hopefully people will uh, reach out to you, and I do encourage you to to reach out to Paul if you have any questions. Um, Paul, really appreciate your time. Thank you for giving us a, uh, an insight to Power Metal Resources. Um, those that are listening, I hope you got great value. It's certainly an interesting stories. One certainly I'm going to be following and following at the moment, um, and I wish you. And I hope you do as uh, yourself. Um, appreciate you um sharing and liking these episodes if you're watching it on the youtube channel um those that listen on the podcast appreciate your support um appreciate you um reaching out to friends family um, people in the industry recommending the podcast to them we're trying to grow the reach even further um at the moment so um, Your help really matters and help you pushing this podcast out to all the corners of the world. Um, we are in 170 countries, but some of those countries, there is a, a sort of handful, maybe 15, 20 people listening. But obviously, we want to push this podcast out to uh, to um, other people. And it's your help um, by you um, helping me do that by recommending the podcast to, to people in the industry. So really appreciate your support. Thanks again, Paul.